Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church located in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you will hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a message from our lead pastor, Derek Ross. Amen. Amen. Come on, can we thank the Lord for Tanner and Turner's Tanner and Tara's testimony of God's faithfulness in their life? I think Tara might be the youngest person that knows what a checkbook is. <laughs> Praise the Lord. If uh, some of the crowd needs to Google that later, you can find out what a checkbook is as well. And so awesome. You know, uh, I watched that for the first time in the nine o'clock service. Thanks to you guys. I wrote this down actually. Uh, in between services in reflection of that, I wrote down in case anybody was unclear, giving is not a get rich quick scheme, but it is a be blessed right now thing. And uh, I think uh, their testimony uh, aligns perfectly with that. So we thank them for uh, testifying of God's goodness and grace in that. Well, we're celebrating so much this weekend. Today is our last day of the Holy Heat Wave sermon series, and we're praying it's the last of the heat wave in Minnesota as well. Come on, we're ready for fall. And uh, somebody said, you know, in three months, it'll be 100 degrees colder than this. And I said, I'll complain then too. Okay, so, you know, whatever it is, but uh, it's great. Um, last week, Pastors David and Josiah did just an awesome job, didn't they? With, let's thank the Lord for that as well. Celebrating so much. Uh, I just saw, I looked over during worship, some of uh, our missionary heroes in the room. They're in town this weekend celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary. Mike and Mona Shields, we bless you guys, honor you for your faithfulness to each other and to the Lord also. God bless you guys. And uh, also on Thursday, my sister-in-law passed her U.S. citizenship test. So she's uh, setting Germany behind her and taking on America. I don't know. I'm not sure what's going on with that. She's not happy, but she's German, so whatever. Um, I mean, that was her being happy. That scowl was overwhelming gratitude for passing that test. Anyway, it's great. It's uh, Labor Day weekend. You could have been anywhere, but you're here. Thanks for being here. I knew the Lord would meet me here. I didn't know who else would. And uh, so thanks for being here because uh, I preached this message to myself this week, gave myself a lot of amens, but I was hoping somebody would be here today as well. Uh, as Pastor Josiah mentioned, next week we'll begin uh, our fall sermon series for September and October. Really, it's all different um, vision sermons, dreams that I believe God has given me to our staff for this church. And so each week will be a different message titled, I Dream of a Church Where, and uh, there will be different things happening. So we encourage you to be here each week for that. And then our October 30th, the last fifth Sunday of the year for us, where we'll have water baptism. And so uh, we've already seen 89 people go public with their faith in Jesus through baptism and water. And so you have two months to sign up for that so you can do that. And uh, that'll be awesome. We're believing we'll go way over 100 uh, for that. So that's going to be great. I should say we're believing for over 100 on the year. But if it's 100 on that day, that's awesome too. But anyway. but as I was praying, reflecting uh, how to close this series, I was thinking about how it seems like almost every prayer gathering, staff prayer time we have, someone feels impressed from the Lord to talk about a call, a call to holiness. And so today, I want to preach a message that I've titled, The Hostility of Holiness. Um, we are experiencing revival right in front of our eyes. 
three people agree with me, and that's awesome. But uh, there was eight in the first service, so there's 11 people that are agreeing with the pastor today. That's awesome. But uh, not just because of what Dr. Tennant shared, not just because what we were talking about last week in preparation for 100 or 200 people be swept into the kingdom at one time. Uh, we know we've seen that this year. So we've seen people responding, uh, repenting of their sin, receiving for the forgiveness that only Jesus can provide, living new and free lives. But we know that we don't want it just to stay here in our church. We want it to spread in every church and in every city. We want to see this spiritual outpouring, changing the places we live. Amen? And so we also know that according to Scripture, that a lack of holiness always stops the flow of the Spirit in our lives. Therefore, uh, today I want to talk about the hostility of holiness. I believe it really is a matter of life and death forever. And so we're going to do that today. I'm preaching from 2 Samuel chapter 20. If you have a Bible, you could turn there. But if you're able, would you stand to your feet this morning as we read God's word together? It's the most of the chapter all the way through, uh, the whole chapter through verse 22. I'm going to skip a few verses. I'll read a selected portion this morning. And uh, for the sake of time, then we'll read the rest of the verses as we come to each point. Verses 1 and 2, uh, and then I'll skip a bunch. Because in the middle... Um, there's a few verses that talk about like concubines and what they did and didn't do. And so I'll just, I'll bless you with that on your own time this week. That's not applicable to this morning's message. So we'll just skip over that for the sake of uh, my sanity. Verse one, the Bible says, uh, oh, I'm in chapter 21. I should look back at 20. There we go. <laughs> now a troublemaker named Sheba, son of Bichri, a Benjamite, just so happened to be there. By the way, I'd like to make mention that it's not something new. It's kind of like a tale as old as time that the devil will work through people, around people to cause trouble within the camp of God. We should not be surprised. We should not be prisoners of the moment. We're like, oh, I can't believe this is happening. Really? I can't because it always happens. People knowingly or unknowingly will be used. He was a troublemaker and it was causing problems for everybody. All right, let me go back and read it without my... Uh, amplified version, which is me explaining it. Now a troublemaker named Sheba, son of Bichri, a Benjamite, happened to be there. He sounded the trumpet and shouted, we have no share in David, no part in Jesse's son. Every man to his tent, Israel. So all the men of Israel deserted David to follow Sheba, son of Bichri. But the men of Judah stayed by their king all the way from the Jordan to Jerusalem. Let's flip over to verse 19. It says, we are, they had some problems. They laid siege to the city. And then this lady was saying, hey, what are you doing? Verse 19, we are peaceful and faithful in Israel. You're trying to destroy a city that's a mother in Israel. Why do you want to swallow up the Lord's inheritance? Far be it from me, Joab, the commander of the army replied. Far be it from me to swallow up or destroy. That's not the case. But a man named Sheba, son of Bichri, from the hill country of Ephraim, has lifted up his hand against the king, against David. Hand over this one man, and I'll withdraw from the city. The woman said to Joab, his head will be thrown to you from the wall. <laughs> hmm. Verse earlier, she's like, I'm peace-loving, now I'll kill the man. <laughs> I won't just kill him, I'll cut off his head, and I'll throw it over the wall. <laughs> Do you know why I titled the message, The Hostility of Holiness? Then the woman went to all the people with her wise advice, and they cut off the head of Sheba, son of Bichri, and threw it to Joab. So he sounded the trumpet, and the men dispersed from the city, each returning to his home. And Joab went back to the king 
in Jerusalem, the hostility of holiness. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we've been given to lift high the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. We ask, Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear what you're saying. Help none of us leave the same, but everyone leave different, more like Jesus. And we ask it in that name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Grab those notes. There's uh, four points. We're talking about the hostility of holiness. Now, there's a lot of talk within the church, amongst Christian circles, about the lack of holiness outside the church. And for what it's worth, I agree. That we live in a time, we live in a society where people don't just commit sin, they celebrate their sin. And that's a problem. But I would say an even bigger problem is the sin that happens inside the walls. Like, I never understand why people are surprised when people who are outside the family of faith live in sin. And yet, I'm continually surprised when people who claim to follow Jesus, claim to be set free by the finished work of Jesus on the cross of Calvary, I'm continually amazed when people inside the walls, inside the family of God, inside the church, live lifestyles of sin. For many in the church today, the concept of holiness is not only far-fetched and categorized as old-fashioned, but it's also labeled as too restrictive, and it's just legalistic, too legalistic for me in a freedom-based culture. But I remind you, not all free acts lead to freedom. And here we must declare through the proclaiming of God's word that there is great freedom to be experienced through living holy lives. Now, uh, I'll mention up front, even though there's four points, lots of room for you to take notes, there's not going to be a list of do's and don'ts today. Uh, because as Dr. Tennant mentioned, you know, two weeks ago uh, about how to become a new wineskin, if she gave you a list of what she did, then we would just copy her. We're not trying to copy the pastor. We're not trying to copy her. We're trying to follow the Lord through the revelation that we have of his word. And so it's not a list of do's and don'ts, but an overall call to holiness. And I believe this is war. It's a matter of life and death. All right, number one, talking about the hostility of holiness you need to know that a rebellion is not a revolution. You know, we live in a time where everybody, we have, we, we, it's outrage culture. Who can be the maddest and do nothing about it? But, but a rebellion is not a revolution. This guy was a troublemaker named Sheba, son of Bichri, a Benjamite. Let me just mention to those men of Israel and to those under my care here this morning, those who might watch at a later time, be very careful who you follow and why you follow them. I doubt that Sheba, son of Bichri, the Benjamite, on his Instagram profile, I doubt it said, I'm a troublemaker. You know, wouldn't it be easier if everybody had a name tag? You could just know a good person to follow, bad person to follow. <laughs> but you got to have discernment. Uh, you know, I think we ought to make discernment great again. Probably wouldn't sell many hats, but it would help a lot of people. Because this guy was a troublemaker. 
His message sounded fun. It sounded exciting. He said, every man to his tent. What was he doing? He was declaring peace in a time of war. He was saying, hey, take off your shoes, put your feet up, eat, drink, and be merry. He was saying, let's quit fighting and just sit back and relax and take it easy. It appears, at least to me in reading this text, that he promised his followers a life of reduced commitment. He said, hey, David's been making you fight these battles. You got to go and it's, it's hard work. If you follow me, we can just have fun. He said, why don't you come live with me? Live on easy street. And while that message was attractive to many that day, it would eventually lead to death. And not just death for those that took their shoes off, put their feet up, but it would eventually lead to death for an entire city. By the way, it's another reason why we continue to call forward men and women to be full of faith, to stand in time of battle, in time of war, to stand up for the things of God, not sit down, not, not take a back seat. And here we're talking about the men in the army and they were like, eh, let's take a day off. And the truth is when warriors take the day off, trouble comes for their entire city. You don't have to look very far in today's society to find people, preachers included, proclaiming messages that appear, that sound to be a good way to go. Oh, it sounds nice. It sounds enticing. It seems like I would have fun. But Proverbs 16 and 25 tells us that there is a way that appears right, but in the end it leads to death. So we've got to be careful who we follow and why we follow them. Don't just go where it appears or sounds right or seems right. You need to be sure that it is right. I could have renamed this point holy holiness, but let me spell it for you because it would be H-O-L-E-Y. Sheba, son of Bikri's holiness, sounded familiar. He was like, oh, let's go back. Let's be in the city. Let's go to the walls. Let's, uh, you know, it sounded similar, but it was totally different. His holiness had holes in it. Not unlike many who claim to be followers of Jesus today, even proclaimers of his word, there were holes in this man's holiness. There was a lack. There was a void it looked and sounded similar, but something was missing, and that little difference made all the difference. So while we might be tempted to look at the person next to us, I would remind us all to check ourselves, check yourselves right before we wreck ourselves. I don't know. Because <laughs> we live in a time where I think people are participating in rebellion and they're trying to call it a revolution. But a rebellion just wants to tear stuff down. But a revolution has intentions to one day build back up. A rebellion's usually built just around something they're against. But a revolution will be included with what they are going to be for. 
Too many churches, too many Christians, too many people are only known by what they're against. And I, I think we ought to be against some stuff. If God was against it, so should we. But, but throughout scripture, we also know what Jesus was for, who he was for, the things that he stood for, gave his life for. Jesus gave his life for you and for me. He didn't just give his life because he was against sin. Like, have you thought about that? I know sometimes we think, oh, Jesus died for my sin. He didn't die for your sin. Right. He died because of your sin. Right. But he died for you. Yeah. And he died for me. Rebellion's just trying to tear stuff down, burn it down. But a re- revolution will want to build up. Now, let me just say, and I'll move on, but in, st- in our conversations, instead of just talking about how bad everything is, whether that's stocks, economy, maybe that's the same, political, sports, what, like, I'm just saying, <laughs> instead of just talking about how bad everything is, let's talk about how good it could be in Christ. Like, like make our conversations different because of the work of Jesus in our lives. All right, number two, the hostility of holiness. Number two, harboring sin will result in destruction. Point one was here on like the excitement level. Point two, we're taking a dip. But I promise you point three and four will build back up to a crescendo higher than where we currently are. Harboring sin will result in destruction. We're gonna skip verses three and following those passages about the concubines. We get right to verse 14. Meanwhile, see, I saved you your time right there. You'll read it this week on your own. But meanwhile, Sheba traveled through all the tribes of Israel and eventually came to the town of Abel Beth Makkah. I can't tell if he wasn't welcomed at other places. I don't know if he was just spreading his message, but what we know is he had traveled to a bunch of different places and eventually he came to this place. All the members of his own clan, the Bichrites, assembled for battle and followed him into the town. When Joab, the other commander, arrived, and his forces arrived, they attacked this town where Sheba was. They attacked Abel Beth Makkah. They built a siege ramp against the town's fortifications and began battering down the wall. This went on, and eventually, verse 20, Joab said, believe me, I don't want to destroy your town. It's not my purpose. All I want is the one dude that's got a problem. Sheba, son of Bichri, from the hill country of Ephraim. He's revolted against King David. If you hand him over to me, I'll leave everybody else alone. The Bible says that they laid siege against the city. It's not necessarily something we do nowadays, but it's kind of like cutting off your Wi-Fi. You're okay at first, but eventually you go crazy. Right? They laid siege, so then they couldn't have trade coming and going. They couldn't get food and supplies in and out. For a day or two, things could be fine, but eventually they were going to have problems. It's interesting that a siege does not result in immediate destruction, but rather over time, as your supplies run out, you'll eventually be destroyed. It's almost like suffocating. Isn't that how sin is in our lives? Like you sin one time, you don't immediately die. But over time, 
you try to go about your normal life and routine and some things seem okay, but eventually sin makes it hard to breathe. Everything closes in around you and you lie to yourself by saying things like, I can handle it. But the truth is you're only fooling yourself as your supplies dwindle and destruction waits at your door. I don't know if Joab just got tired of waiting around or if he was like, this seems weird that we're just going to kill everybody for this one. I I don't really know what happened, but they started to beat down the wall and um, they, they intended to seek out the sin in the camp and kill him or anyone that stood in their way. I think it's foolish for us to sit around waiting, thinking that the enemy will get bored and just move on to the next person. Right? Like God's not going to forget about it and be like, oh man, I couldn't remember why I was waiting. Like judgment's going to come one day, one way or another. Judgment for our sin. But think about the flip that happened there in their city. The walls were intended to provide safety. They weren't made of two by fours and sheetrock. These were, would have been like stone walls that would provide safety so that the residents could sleep peacefully at night knowing that the enemy couldn't get in. But what do you do if the enemy has already infiltrated the walls? What do you do when the wall that was supposed to keep the enemy out is now seemingly holding the enemy in? What do you and I do when the things that we thought would work are no longer working? I would just say, eventually this lady said to him, I say to myself, I say to you, I implore you through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, quit harboring any secret sin in your life. Avoiding the problem will not fix the problem. Trying to hide it from everyone else will eventually be unsuccessful. I'll give you two simple words to summarize the message. Two words, get free. I know you think, well, what will people think? They'll think, isn't it awesome to finally be free? (laughs) I'm just telling you, the devil will be, oh, what are they? I'm telling you what they're going to think. They're going to think he's free. She's finally free. Get free. (laughs) You want me to explain it like in a three-step process? Number one, repent. Number two, be delivered. Walk away from, you know, don't just like, you know, don't repent and then return to it. Like walk differently, leave it, leave it behind. And number three, stay free by living holy. This is our moment because I'm telling you, harboring sin will eventually result in destruction. Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin is death. Like I'm telling you, payday's coming. It's not a candy bar. It's payday's coming. The wages of sin is death. But one of the problems we see today is that many people don't want to call something a sin. The most we can get out of some people is it's an accident. It's an oopsies. It's a my bad. But oops, accidents and my bads don't carry with it the sense of urgency when we label it what it is, sin. Bible's very clear. Sin separates us from God. And eventually the wages of sin is always death. 
Friends, sin must be eradicated expeditiously. I enjoyed that so much typing it, I couldn't wait to say it out loud. <laughs> eradicated expeditiously. I was thinking of Pastor Vicente the whole time I typed it. <laughs> eradicated expeditiously. I could just hear him say, how do you say? <laughs> That's it. Eradicated expeditiously. It's, it's fun to say, but it must be done. Like we can't babysit our sin any longer. It's not cute. It's not cuddly. <laughs> Sin's not something to be taken lightly or glossed over. The sin that was present in the town of Abel Beth Macaw would soon lead to its total destruction. Let me just say it this way, friend. If you don't deal with it, eventually it will cost somebody else something as well. And say something to the parents, the grandparents, the aunts, the uncles, caregivers. If you don't deal with it, it'll, it'll impact your kids. I know you're all like, oh, generation curse. If somebody saved, they're set free from the curse. What I'm telling you is they'll watch your habits and your practices. Yeah. Yeah. You can use whatever language you want to use. What I'm telling you is if you don't deal with it as they watch you, and by the way, what you do in moderation, they'll probably do in excess. So when you say, I can handle it, in essence, you're signing, signing them up for a lifetime of struggle. I hope it's worth it, but I know it's not. So quit playing around with sin in our lives, in our homes, in our cities, because quite clearly, according to scripture, harboring sin will result in destruction. All right, number three, we begin the climb now of the roller coaster towards positivity. Number three, <laughs> Wisdom carries influence. I know we're in a time where we think amount of social media followers, or we got titles or terms called influencers. We got a lot of people saying stuff and they're not saying anything all at the same time. Here we see that wisdom carries influence. Instead of people trying to get influence and then hopefully they'll have something to say, this lady had something to say and it showed her influence. Verses 16 to 19. By the way, if you're struggling with any kind of uh, relationships and you need some kind of resolution, I'd recommend you reading these three or four verses on your own this week, putting into practice exactly what she is, does. She gives her some practical ways in how to bring about resolution. Verses 16 and 19. But a wise woman in the town called out to Joab. By the way, I think it's time for wise men and women to lift their voices. Yeah. I'm tired of only the crazy people raising their voices. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like 10% over here, 10% over there. I wish y'all would be quiet. Where's the mute button for a lot of people? We need wise men and women to raise their voice in these crazy times. But a wise woman in the town, we don't know what her name was, but we have a description of how she lived. Oh, that we'd have people more uh, consumed with what they're going to say rather than the title. A wise woman in the town called out to Joab. Listen to me, Joab. Come over here so I can holler at you, so I can talk to you. Okay, that's how I was As he approached, the woman asked, are you Joab? Which to me is kind of like a weird question. I'm like, you know, you just said, Joab, come over here. But hey, what if, they were in battle. What if somebody was faking? Give people opportunity to answer honestly. I am, he replied. She said, good. Now listen up. Listen carefully to your servant. I'm listening, he said. Then she continued... There used to be a saying, if you want to settle an argument, ask advice at the town of Abel. What was she saying? That our town used to be known for wisdom. 
Our town used to be the place where people who didn't know what to do would come and ask what to do, and we would know. And now all of a sudden, we've got sin in the camp. This is why I say it's a lifetime battle that we have to sign up for the hostility of holiness. Like the, the, the city used to be awesome back in the day, but now they let sin enter the camp. So that means, beginning with me as your pastor this week, but all of us are coming up to a moment, in a few moments, of introspection. Have I allowed anything to come into the walls of my life, into my city? It doesn't mean, it's, I, I may have been awesome before, but is there anything that I've allowed to creep in that will eventually cause destruction in my life? Verse 18, there used to be a saying, if you want to sell an argument, ask advice in the town of Abel. I am one, she said, who is peace-loving and faithful in Israel. But you're destroying an important town. Why do you want to devour what belongs to the Lord? I think this lady really knew who she was as God's child. She knew that she was a daughter of the Most High. And when you know who you are in Christ, it'll settle a bunch of things in your life. When you don't know who you are in Christ, you'll always look for other people to tell you who you are or could be. Right? When, when you are unsure about the eternal approval of your Father, your Heavenly Father, you'll continually seek the temporary acceptance of those around you. We've got to know whose we are. We've got to know who we are in Christ. And I'm not saying we shouldn't care about what other people think more than what God thinks. But I mean, we should care just a little bit. Like if the person sitting next to you looks at you and they're like, you smell, you should care. <laughs> I'm just saying, take a shower, use some deodorant, put on some cologne. That's, uh, that was in another sermon. Go back and read it, right? This is not junior high boys camp dorm. But we shouldn't care more about what people think than what God thinks. So it's not, like some people are like, well, I don't care what you think. I wish you would, <laughs> just a little bit. Because <laughs> usually people who say, I don't care what you think, are jerks. Because nice people, they know who they are, but they don't have to go out there and just try, I don't care what you think. We can care and not care. Like we don't have to let somebody else speak to who we are person. We don't have to let them speak to our value as a human being, as a son or daughter of the king. But if everyone is like, you're mean, shoe fits you, Cinderella. That's what I'm saying, you know, like, right? But, but we shouldn't care more about what other people think than what God thinks. We don't need to try to fit in with everybody else to represent God to them. I've never understood that logic. I've heard it from a lot of pastors. It's not even about y'all. It's about my people. You know, like, I don't understand why a Christian, why a pastor would say, I need to be like the world in order to reach the world. Right. That makes sense to me logically. Like, if we're not different, why do I need to change? Right. If we're just the same, why do I need to be different? <laughs> it doesn't make sense. And so it's a lie from the enemy, right? This is, so cut a corner with God to fit in with other people? Are you kidding me? doesn't even make sense. So, so we should care what they think, but not more than what God thinks. So man, if, if people continue to put you down, speaking negative words about you, go back and read in the word. What does God say about you? 
What are, what are the things that he has declared over your life? Because what he says about you is more important than what other people say about you. The Holy Spirit gives us power from God and I believe also favor with man. I can't tell you how many times I've gone into a difficult meeting, a difficult situation, and I've just prayed in my heavenly prayer language. I've asked the Holy Spirit, give me favor in this meeting. And I leave going, how did that just work out? (laughs) Newsflash, it wasn't because I said the right thing. Now, most of the time, I didn't say the wrong thing. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will help you by telling you not to say anything. But the Holy Spirit will give us power from God and favor with man. When you know who you are and whose you are, you begin to speak from a place of influence instead of trying to gain acceptance. In Christ, we've been given access to things we cannot achieve on our own. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Is it any wonder in this time where our society, where even Christians have seemingly lost their fear of the Lord, that our nation is also severely lacking in wisdom? Even a lot of countries, people in countries from around the world, they're looking at us and they're like, y'all are crazy. I'm like, we are. We have lost wisdom. And because we lost wisdom, by the way, we've also lost common sense. As my dad says, that sense is not very common anymore. (laughs) But wisdom recognizes who the owner is. I love what she said there. She's like, Joab, why are you devouring what belongs to the Lord? We need some wise people to recognize that it all belongs to God. Right? Isn't that what Tanner and Tara were talking about? on the video there, that everything we have, it's not the paycheck that's ours. It's like God gave us the ability. He woke us up in the morning. He gave us the skills, the physical ability for that job to provide. Like everything we have is God's. (laughs) And when we're reminded of that, it changes our perspective when it comes to blessing. If we think this is ours and we're gonna give in order to be blessed like financially, we've got the perspective wrong. When we understand it's all his, we know as we give we're immediately or already blessed because he blessed us in order to be able to get anything. It's a perspective that we need to be reminded of and this woman, she's a wise woman, she had great perspective. She's like, this isn't my town, this isn't our town, this is God's. And she said, really, you're fighting him because this is his, what's going on? And he's like, oh, I don't want to do that. Just bring me the troublemaker, son of Bikri, the Benjamite. Bring him out here. And she's like, well, let me go get him. Which brings me to number four. This is the most exciting part of the whole sermon, that the eradication of sin releases blessing. This is, this is so good. Like, we so focus on, all oh, sin and holiness. I'm telling you, friends, the eradication of sin will release blessing in ways you've never seen. And in a moment, we're going to respond. It'll be more like an individual response. I'm not going to, like, have you yell out, Here, here's my sin, whatever. You know, it's okay. But, um, I mean, your sin is not okay, I'm saying. But, but it'll be like a personal moment with God. But then I want to encourage everybody, even before I preach all of point four, I want you to know where I'm going, to then talk to somebody throughout the day. 
Because there's something that happens when we not only confess of our sin to the Lord, but we, we speak it out to somebody else and we then get rid of it in our lives. Pastor Vicente in the first service, he got this word that um, apparently I didn't see him, but he must've been bouncing over there. So he texted me in before he said, Pastor, I was so close to get up and give a word for the Lord, but wanted to res- be respectful and not interrupt you. So he said, here's the word from the Lord that was given through tongues and interpretation for the congregation. I give it to you, then I preach the message, then we're gonna respond, or the fourth point. He says, the Lord says, I, the Lord, will uncover the hidden places, not to condemn you or expose you, but to heal you and restore you. So speak it out, speak out your sin in Jesus' name. So that's what we're gonna do. Not like all at once, but like I said, we're gonna pray, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal. And then I just encourage you, before you even go to bed tonight, tell your spouse, tell a friend, tell somebody before you leave here today, this is how I'm leaving different because I'm telling you the eradication of sin will release blessings. Remember in the verse before, she's like, I'm peace loving. Verse 21, she says, we'll throw his head over the wall to you. Like from one verse to the next. (laughs) Then the woman went to all the people and said, they cut off Sheba's head and threw it out to Joab's. Then they blew the ram's horn and called his troops back. They returned to their homes and Joab returned to the king at Jerusalem. I'm reminded of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, verses eight and following. He said, if your hand or foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. Do you ever read the Bible and just chuckle? I do. Because Jesus said, if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. Jesus, uh, if, I, if I was struggling to walk, do you feel like one is going to work better? I don't know, you know, but I just, like, sometimes I just wonder. I'm like, did any, where was Peter? He could have asked a question. Peter would be like, uh, Jesus, that doesn't make sense, you know, so I'm reading it, and we'll find out one day. But anyway, Jesus said it, so you can't question it. You just accept it move on. He said, it's better for you to enter life, eternal life, maimed or crippled, than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into the eternal fire. If your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown in the fire of hell. Well, what was Jesus saying? What was this lady living out? The passage in the Old Testament, Jesus' words, they're completely aligned. What's the message? If there is sin in your life, get rid of it and get rid of it now. Like, don't wait another day, don't wait another moment. This is your time. Why? Because the cost of sin is too steep. Quit playing games with it. Quit thinking you have time to deal with it. I love in verse 21, just throw it over the wall. (laughs) She went from peace loving to now cutting a dude's head off. That's the hostility of holiness. By the way, holiness is not weakness. I believe holiness carries with it boldness. Let me explain. I, 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 I always cringe when I hear a Christian or a pastor, most of them are Christians, but um, <laughs> say things like, well, I can't do that because I'm a Christian. I cringe a little bit. I think their, their heart is well-meaning, but let me just help you if you call me your pastor. Let me help you. I try to never say I can't because I can I'm a grown man. I'm a citizen of this country. And after I ask my wife, then I can. (laughs) It's not that I can't, it's that I won't. Because when we say I can't, we're reducing holiness to weakness. 
oh, I can't do that because I'm a Christian. What kind of defeatist Eeyore mentality, spirit animal, like what's going on? You can, but you're choosing not to. Holiness is not weakness. Holiness carries boldness. Well, by the way, why is it that we've lost boldness in our pulpits? Why is it that we've lost boldness in our witness? Probably because we've lost holiness. It's really tough to stand up and boldly declare the word if you got hidden sin. Because hopefully you got at least enough awareness to go, oh, event, is this the day, right? Like, by the way, quit looking over your shoulder. Just be free today. I'm telling you, holiness is not weakness. Other people can. That's fine for them. As a pastor, as a leader, as a shepherd in my own home, I'm telling you I can, but I won't. Because I'm living for something greater. I'm living for something higher. I've got a a mission. I've got a purpose. I can, but why would I? Why would I step down to that? I won't. I'm called to a higher standard. Holiness is not weakness, brothers and sisters. Holiness carries boldness, and we need boldness to return to the people of God again. I love this lady. She was bold. She said, if it's going to bring us all down, we'll kill it, cut off the head, and throw it over the wall. BRB. <laughs> Be right back. <laughs> it's like angry birds coming home. You know, like, uh, we need more people like this lady to be committed to the absolute eradication of sin from our city. This is the hostility of holiness. We cannot patty cake these demonic strongholds in our lives and in our families, in our cities, and in our churches. Come on, if you want to be fully blessed by God, in my hands, we must eradicate the sin that is destroying us. Keeping sin with inside the city walls restricts the free flow of the spirit in our lives. It reduces and eliminates eventually the blessing of God that we want to live in. We've got to throw it over the wall. So I think the team's going to come out in a moment. I'll, I'll finish and we're going to pray. We'll sing together. But I think the time has come. Or I know I feel t- I'm tired of seeing Christians sit on the sidelines while sin rages in our cities in our homes, in our own lives, <laughs> right? We, we need to be men and women full of faith, filled with boldness, living holy lives like this wise woman. We still don't know her name, but we know what she did, and she saved her city because she cared enough to confront the sin that was present and get it out of the land. You know, in 2023, we'd probably say, well, what did she, how did Sheba feel about it? Why is it that we care about the one person who's causing destruction more than the destruction that's going to happen to the whole city? I'm not saying we ignore the one. I'm just saying we've got to deal with it. Some people say whatever you tolerate gets multiplied. I think the longer Sheba would have stayed in that town, more people would have joined the sinful approach. And she was like, we can't let our whole city go down just because one dude's got a problem. We're going to get rid of it. I'll throw it over the wall. She made it sound so simple. Joab, why are you killing us? Oh, you got that dude, Sheba, son of Bikri, the Benjamite. He's from Ephraim. A lot of descriptions. <laughs> like there was another Sheba in town. I don't know. <laughs> 
He's like, we're going to kill everybody. We don't get him. She's like, that's all you want? BRB. Sheba, let me holler at you for a second. Get him. Done. She's like, what you want now, Joab? <laughs> if that's all it is, I can handle that. She made it sound so simple. <laughs> She's like, oh, if all that is neat, I'll throw it over the wall. I won't even come out and see you, Joab. I'll just toss it out like the trash from last week. She made it sound so simple. Why is it that we make it sound so difficult? We're like, well, I don't know if I could really give that up. Why not? It's killing you, sir. It's bringing down your family, man. Just throw it over the wall. What are, you, what are you holding on to it for? What are you concealing? It's gonna bring everybody down. <laughs> Just throw it over the wall. I got a testimony this week from Sean Nickel. Might share it next month at Baptism Sunday. And he said he'd been struggling with some stuff for a long time. And... Uh, I think it was two weeks ago I got the testimony this week. Now, now finally free. Just throw it over the wall. Like, like you came here today. You, you could have stayed home. You could have gone to the fair. Some of you are going to go to the fair. <laughs> Spend all your own money. Uh, we spent $19 this year at the fair, by the way, because we didn't go. And my father-in-law brought us back a jug of Sweet Martha's cookies, a tub, and that's all we did. So it was the cheapest year for the fair for the Ross family ever. But, but before you go to do and enjoy, and maybe many will have a day off tomorrow, before you resume those activities, like, don't leave concealing Sheba in your life. Notice I'm not saying yet in the person you're seated next to. We're starting with our own selves. <laughs> Deal with our own wall first. Then if you're married in your household, take a look there. But you have a pastor who loves you enough to say, next week's vision, it's fresh dreams, it's, but, but we can't let or get to that if we hold on to Sheba. Now, if you notice, there's not been a list of different things, but we have one, the Holy Spirit, who can speak to each of us, and I'm gonna ask him to do that in a personal moment of reflection, right? The closing statement is, it's time to throw it over the wall. It's in quotes, it, because I'm not telling you what it is. This is not me saying this certain movie, not like for clarity, it, uh, Ten Commandments are not multiple choice. So like, it's not like you get to pick one and then the others are, Pastor said there's not a list. I mean, there's a list, but I'm just saying like on this, you know what I'm, okay, don't, don't take it the wrong way. But I wanna pray and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to each of us if there's an it that we need to throw over the wall. Because here's what I know is, Pastor Josiah mentioned last week and you've heard shared, and Dr. Tennant, what God is, is doing and we believe is going to do in our church and through our church, I think it won't happen and I think it won't continue to happen if we conceal Sheba in our midst. If we hold on to sinful patterns and behaviors and attitudes and ideologies if we hold on to things that I'm telling you are going to bring destruction. But thanks be to God, I'm telling you, if we'll cut it off at the head, if we'll throw it over the wall, the Bible says Joab sounded the horn, 
and the blessing flowed. What happened? They removed the siege from the city. They went back to where they were and the blessing flowed into the city again. Now, friends, we've been experiencing a great flow of blessing in our church and in our area this year. But I'm telling you, I've heard way too many people say they felt impressed by the spirit of God that what we've seen is only a glimpse. It's only a small amount of what we will see. And I'm just saying, as we close out this holy heat wave series, don't leave this place. Don't go another day holding on to secret sin. To concealing what you've allowed in. Let's make our cities a place of safety for our families again. Amen? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to each and every one of us. In a moment, we'll stand, we'll worship, but I just want a moment of personal reflection. I'm not asking you to raise your hand or come forward or talk to anybody else in this moment, but I am asking that you open your heart. I'm going to pray as your pastor, but it's important that you personally open your heart to the working of the Holy Spirit to identify, to highlight, to show you any area that you've been concealing. Maybe nobody else knows about it, but God does. And today we're asking his spirit, the Holy Spirit, to use his holy highlighter in your life and identify any area that you need to remove. It's not going to bring you blessing. It's holding you back, friend. And I just want to ask the Holy Spirit even now, Holy Spirit, move in each of our lives. Examine the dark places of our soul from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet, places maybe that nobody's talked about. Holy Spirit, would you go and take inventory even now? And if there's any Sheba, any sin that's in our life, would you highlight it to each and every one of us now? Not to be called out in front of everybody or shamed in any way, but Father, for them to get free in Jesus' name. So Holy Spirit, even now, in every man, every woman, every boy, girl, young and old, we ask, would you illuminate, reveal to us, highlight things that we felt were hidden. Maybe there are things that we didn't even know came into our city. But we ask like this wise woman and we say, if there's anything in us, bring attention to it even now. Father, as your spirit is highlighting and identifying things in people's lives, many probably know right away, others may take a while to sit with you. I'm asked that you would grant your people courage to cut it off at the head. Not to tolerate it any longer. Not to hold on to it, think we can have a conversation about it, but just to cut it off at the head. But then not to hold on to it, but to throw it over the wall. (laughs) Father, let your people, your sons and daughters, live free, holy and free in Jesus' name. For Father, our spirits are filled with faith what you're going to do in our church and in our land as has been prophesied that you're removing that bowl so that your light would shine forth for millions of people that drive by every year. And Father, we ask 
that you would help us not do anything to cut off the flow of your spirit in our lives and for this area. Lord, we know as we're praying over this next decade that you help us bring the good news to those who've never heard that you're raising up missionaries, that you're starting planting churches, that you're doing things in Bible translations and presentations so that those who've not heard would one day hear, Father, don't let us block what you want to do. Don't let us stand in your way of revealing yourself to all peoples. Father, I pray that your people would live the life, Lord Jesus, that you came to give us life to the full, abundant life. Father, I pray that each and every one of your children here today, watching at home, watching at a later time, would live the abundant life that you've designed for us, fully forgiven and free in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that holiness is not weakness, but it carries with it boldness. And I pray for increase of boldness in your people and sharing our testimony of what you've done in our lives with other people so that many, both across the street and around the world, would come to know you, Lord Jesus, as a personal Savior. Father, be with us today. We ask, Holy Spirit, seal the work that you've done in us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or the 10th time, reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info at celebrationchurch.net. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you again next week.